Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to speak directly to our podcast audience to begin today's show, because if you can find your way to one of our video platforms, YouTube perhaps, DogNation.com, that's easy to do now, Facebook, something like that, it's worth your time just to see the beginning of our show today, because for a few minutes here off the top, I am very lucky to have the National Championship Trophy. When we say go for three and 23, this is what we're going for. This is what George is chasing after, that National Championship Trophy. It's in our studio today, courtesy of of our friends at Dr. Pepper. This is one of the great thrills for me professionally that I've ever had to be in, you know, broadcasting in such clo- uh, close proximity here to this in our tiny little studio. We got this Dr. Pepper uh, National Championship trophy on hand. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, I'll also tell you this. It's not just me that gets a chance to be close to this today. If you want to uh, be near the Walmart in Oakwood today, coming up from 1130 a.m. to 130 p.m., or the uh, Walmart there, Epsbridge Road in Athens from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., if you want to be, you know, at those spots later on today here on this Friday, you have a chance to perhaps see the national championship trophy up close and personal as well, courtesy of Dr. Pepper. But they were kind enough today to bring this here to us, to give us a chance to have this here in our studio. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that because, you know, it just makes the whole idea of go for three and 23. It just rings a little bit more true. And it hits a little different when you got that trophy, the thing that George is chasing after. Hopefully later on this year when uh, Kirby Smart holds that up and kind of kisses it the way that he did last year when Georgia players get their own chance to do that uh it's the same trophy that's sitting here right now they make a new one of these each and every year and it's kind of fascinating to watch this kind of be rolled in and kind of the pop and the uh, circumstance that goes along with that if you're watching on video the gold part up at the top that's 20 pounds it's made by the same people who make the academy awards the oscars you know you see those it's basically the same kind of process there on that the base itself weighs 30 pounds very heavy very substantial uh, it's traveled already 60,000 miles here this year, 72 different places, which is kind and nice of our friends at Dr. Pepper to give other people a chance to see it because ultimately we know that the place it's going to stay is the place it's been the last two years right here at Georgia. Uh, but giving other folks a chance to see that, I guess that's probably kind of a nice thing to do. So kind of nice to allow folks to dream and have ambitions and aspirations, even if deep down we know go for three and 23 is a mission that Georgia will complete and the national championship trophy will have the same home this year that it's had for the last couple of years. Still nice to give other folks a chance to see that. And truly and sincerely, this is one of the great thrills for me to have this in studio today. So a huge thanks and appreciation to our friends at Dr. Pepper for that. Now, let me begin this way here today. So earlier this week on the show, in my kind of typical fashion, as politely as I'm capable of, as gently as perhaps I thought was appropriate, because listen, I don't like calling out Georgia fans very much because my livelihood depends on Georgia fans. So therefore, I don't bite the hand that feeds me, you know, uh, very frequently. But every now and then, as I said on Monday show, and if you watch Monday show, or if you listen to Monday show, you heard me say the phrase this way. Every now and then, friends have to be honest with each other. I consider you all to be my friends, even if we don't ever meet personally. We all kind of share the same affinity for Georgia football. We perhaps see the world in the same way. Certainly, we see the sport in the same way. Therefore, we have a relationship with each other, even if we're you know not ever kind of in the same place at the same time or personally acquainted with each other. And friends being honest with friends, what I said is mm, sort of felt like the atmosphere for this game last Saturday against Missouri 
could have perhaps been better. Tried to be as polite as possible. Tried to make the suggestion as gently as possible. That is perhaps a little bit more in keeping with my personality. But as you know, Kirby Smart's personality is not like my personality. And a couple of times thus far this week, Kirby Smart, when asked directly about the impact the fans could have on Saturday's game against Ole Miss, has not held back in saying, hey, we need the fans to be at their best. Well, guess what? Here we are now in kind of the final 24, you know, 48 hours, you know, prior to kickoff, going back to yesterday, the kind of the last couple of days prior to kickoff. And all of a sudden, Kirby Smart has ratcheted up the uh, challenge to fans to a much higher level the same level of clarity and force and uh magnitude of smart's words when he's speaking to his team he is now directing all of that towards you there as well now my guess is all of you will be more than happy to meet smart's challenge on this but it is unmistakable that the sort of gentle kind of calm hey maybe it'd be a nice thing if some of y'all were a little bit louder on saturday kirby smart's not speaking that way kirby smart's speaking to you directly as if you were one of his players let me start on the platform now called x formerly known as twitter smart yesterday on the social media platform saying it directly to uga fans via social media here on this how are you going to affect the game saturday he asked let's make this the loudest that sanford stadium has ever been that's a direct question to georgia fans if you're lucky enough to have a ticket being there in the stadium how are you going to impact it what kind of fingerprint are you going to put on this game there on saturday smart says we want it louder than it's ever been before now a year ago he told you before the tennessee game that if you can talk when you leave you didn't yell loud enough so smart now says i want it even louder than that now this is where some people are going to come in but it's supposed to be raining and it's supposed to be cold and but this and but that and na 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 Once again, this is Kirby Smart speaking to you directly as if you were one of his players. Because yesterday he goes on the Atlanta sports radio station, 680 The Fan. The host is a guy named Buck Ballou, former Georgia quarterback. And in speaking with Buck Ballou on 680 The Fan yesterday, Kirby Smart addressed all of that. Once again, you know, the whole idea of me kind of somewhat casually, perhaps politely suggesting maybe it might be a good idea to be a little louder this time than last time. Kirby Smart has no such uh, uh, propensity for politeness. Kirby Smart speaks to you directly as if he would speak to anybody here. Clear call out, direct message to UGA fans, strong words from Smart. Go ahead and take a listen to this. Coach, these fans, what what kind of message do you have for them this week? Bring it. Bring it. I don't want to hear anything about the, the weather or the temperature. We gotta we gotta bring it. Uh we gotta have the best fans in the country and they gotta be loud and impact this game and uh no wine and cheese party. We we, we gotta be rough and rowdy for this one. That may be the single best thing I've ever heard Kirby Smart say. The single most enjoyable handful of sentences that Smart's ever spoken, it may be those right there. This ain't going to be no wine and cheese party. And you know that phrase, right? It's like, this is like going back time in memoriam, right? It's like when, you know, certain people in the stadium don't want to make a bunch of noise. You know, you kind of call those, oh, those are the wine and cheese fans. They're the ones that sort of sit on their hands. They're the ones that sort of look at you funny if you try to stand up and cheer. Kirby Smart says, Saturday is not a wine and cheese party day. Saturday is not a day for the wine and cheese crowd, for the people who lift their pinky in the air as they're, you know, sipping on their, you know, whatever, uh, you know, brandy after dinner, whatever their thing is. This is not a day for the wine and cheese crowd. This is a day for Kirby Smart says the rough and rowdy crowd. Y'all, that's a direct call out right there. And I think it tells you everything you need to know about how Smart views this game on Saturday. 
what an incredible opportunity this is for Georgia fans to put their stamp on this season one more time you already know the scenario it's the last home game we make a big deal about this I don't want to repeat myself but it's always amazing to me how quickly all of this sort of gets away from us we dream about the season we dream about being between the hedges and then boom a few times all of a sudden now you're doing it for the last time knowing you'll never get a chance to do this again uh, not never but you won't get a chance to do this again for many months until the new season starts again later on this is your last chance to see georgia between the hedges this is your last chance to show this senior class on senior day what these players have meant to you personally uh for uh, outstanding juniors like what we believe brock bowers may be playing his last game perhaps stepping on the field you know kind of heroically uh coming off after injury to be back out there again this is your last chance to show these guys what they mean to you and it's your last chance to be a truly impactful part of a story for georgia which could conclude with go for three and 23 this national championship trophy that's over my shoulder this is the thing that can be in Georgia's possession but getting it done tomorrow against a top 10 team like Ole Miss is going to take everybody in the stadium combating the weather combating the conditions if possible and combating Ole Miss we gave you quotes yesterday from Lane Kiffin he thinks he's lying in the weeds he thinks he's waiting he thinks he's relaxed his team's not uptight and nervous like they were against Alabama they're ready for this game on Saturday well tomorrow is your day to show uh Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and the entire college football world that Georgia fans are ready there as well Kirby Smart says don't be a wine and cheese fan be a rough and rowdy fan don't let the weather bother you don't let the rain bother you if you're lucky enough to have tickets put them to good use by making this a house of horrors for the Ole Miss Rebels there on Saturday that is the direct challenge the Kirby Smart issues to UGA fans and my guess is Georgia fans tomorrow are more than ready to answer the call my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by our friends at Kroger. And we're going to get ready to say goodbye to the National Championship Trophy. They're going to come in here and they're going to take that out, going to roll that on. They've got a big uh, tour of uh, events to take the National Championship Trophy to today, so we're going to let them do that here. You may hear a little bit of a hustling and bustling as the trophy gets rolled out. We're just going to let them do that today. And of course, you have a chance to be in Oakwood later on. Uh, starting 11:30 a.m. at the Walmart there, or 1:30 uh, p.m. there. I should say 3 p.m. Let me say 3 p.m. there as well at the Walmart, Epsbridge Road in Athens. You have your chance to see that national championship trophy. That's a uh, really, really good stuff. And so over the course of the next couple of minutes, they'll be kind of moving that out and getting ready to do that. And you'll have a chance to uh, probably hear that a little bit, but uh, we're okay on all of that. Let me say thanks, as always, for those who join the show. 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. Of course, we are 10 a.m. after that across every other video platform there as well. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, podcast, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between, including posting the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. We just really appreciate you finding a platform that works for you and being a part of our show each and every day. Also, big thanks to Kroger, who make it all possible today for you there as well. And how about Kroger Chef Jr., guided kids cooking experience. And for the month of November, a really fun food item being made. How about the uh, pumpkin pie dip? That's tomorrow, November the 11th at select Kroger locations. A really fun thing, the pumpkin pie dip at uh, Kroger locations all across our uh, area tomorrow. So if you want to be a part of this, if you've never gotten a chance, 
chance to do this. It's a great time to do it. Go to KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. It's the word Junior spelled out. J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. It's just $7 per child. You get a chance to not just make the uh, pumpkin pie dip, but you also get a chance to get the apron, the uh, chef's hat, the uh, the recipe card holder, and the measuring cup. And it's just $7 per child. A really, really fun thing to do if you've never done this before. KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. We certainly appreciate our friends at uh, Kroger being a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. And as that national championship trophy rolls out of here one more time, big thanks to our friends at Dr. Pepper making this a ton of fun, a great experience. Uh, how much fun is this today to have that national championship trophy right here in the building? And I wish you guys could see the the, the the efficiency of the process as the championship trophy comes in and goes out and the, uh, the great security detail that uh, goes along with that. It's a uh, fun thing to see and a fun thing to be able to be a part of now what else is fun coming up in a couple of minutes we've got jeff Sintel here today we'll talk the latest uga recruiting news with him and if you'll allow me to be slightly nostalgic for a moment one of the things we're going to talk to jeff about today is a guy that for many many years jeff and i talked about in the space of hey future dog five-star recruit all of a sudden he's truly all grown up now and uh, it's kind of fun to see him being a big part of Saturday's game. So we'll get to this here coming up in just a little bit there as well. That's going to be a fun discussion. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at the Finished Long Drink. Now, let me confess here something for a moment. I am like over the moon excited about Saturday, as you can probably imagine. I know many of you are there as well. However, I do have to confess like one tiny thing. And this is more like not just about Georgia football specifically speaking, but in some respects, this is kind of about sports generally speaking. There's sort of one thing about this game that sometimes I think I probably wish was a little bit different, but eventually you just sort of make peace with this is just sort of the way sports is. And it probably reflects human nature to a certain degree. What I'm talking about is this. When you see Lane Kiffin, a very boisterous personality, and some of the things that Kiffin puts out on social media, like, do you remember, um, was it two years ago around like whatever holiday that was when Kiffin, um, when he put out the like the graphic of like Nick Saban holding Kirby Smart as if Saban was the daddy and Kirby Smart was the baby and like like the insinuation being that Kirby Smart Nick Saban was Kirby Smart's daddy and you know Georgia fans kind of saw that big reaction when Kirby Smart was asked about it he's like Lane Kevin already shown that to me he put that in a text thread we were already kind of laughing about that already in other words when you see stuff like that Lane Kevin puts out on social media sometimes there's this I think sort of natural temptation among Georgia fans to sort of view Kiffin as the enemy and you kind of want your coach Kirby Smart to hate their coach the enemy but the truth is is this is also a profession for guys like Kiffin and Kirby and all these guys and much the same way you sort of develop like a colleague relationship you know many of the times you become friends with the people not not just that work in your company but sometimes just sort of work in your industry you see them at trade shows or you see them out and about in the field you just kind of become friends with people in your industry the coaches are not immune to that they sometimes the only people that truly understand what their life is like are the other people who do that job for a living and so therefore kirby and lane on the same staff together at alabama traveling some of the same circles uh as kind of coaches do they are more friends than enemies even though sometimes you sort of wish it perhaps is different it's same thing like professional sports where it's like you want your team to hate the other team but the truth is there's free agency and there's guys that you know live in the same you know places during the winter or whatever else that that there's relationships there that sometimes sort of supersede just the competitor thing that goes on in professional sports you don't perhaps like to think that that is true but it is one of those things that's probably true from time to time and 
In the case of Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin, they do truly have a relationship. Lane Kiffin has not shied away from saying that here this week. Yeah, Kirby's my friend. Uh, Kirby Smart himself has not kind of shied away from speaking about that either, including the idea that perhaps sometimes they even share some information. Now, not the sign stealing stuff the way the Big Ten apparently does. Or at least allegedly, uh, but they do share, you know, various information. They do have kind of a relationship with it. Kirby has a pretty deep relationship with a lot of the guys that he's coached with before. This is what Kirby said about that earlier this week. Kirby's more on the idea of uh, his relationship with Lane Kiffin. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Lane. I told you that he and I shared seats next to each other uh, at Alabama for I don't know two years. I guess it was maybe three. I don't. I don't ever know how long we were there together because it all runs together, but. A lot of respect for him as a coach. Um, he was a head coach at a really young age. He, he, he taught me a lot of things about what he believes in, 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 in you know, being a head coach and uh, you know, doing it your way. And he certainly had a unique experience in terms of the places he's been able to work as a head coach. And uh, he draws on that. And uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's times we share you know, ideas or uh, you know, GPS numbers or, or whatever. but. Um, there's nothing outside of just a really good friendship and respect. Most of you are aware, but when Kirby references the GPS number, what he's talking about is the the speeds and the and the data from like individual players during practice. That's not like directions how to get somewhere. That's the GPS numbers they're seeing on players during practice who wear those little apparatuses on their uh, body there. But so Kirby says, yeah, I got a relationship with Lane Kevin. We share stuff. We've been friends, you know, going back to our time being in Alabama there. Now, on the one hand, I think it's actually good that Kirby has friends. I think you can sometimes see coaches, and sometimes these are famous coaches. You can sort of tell they don't have friends, and I think not having friends probably makes you a little weird, and I think that weird can be a little bit of an obstacle to professional success. So the fact that Kirby has friends is probably a good thing, but there's this kind of storyline that many of us like to write for ourselves of, boy, it'd be cool to think that Kirby hates Lane, because I've told you before, Lane Kevin's not exactly my cup of tea. I sort of enjoy rooting against Lane Kevin. It'd be nice to think that Kirby Smart dislikes this guy as much as I sort of perceive myself disliking him or perhaps other coaches around college football that sometimes Kirby might do battle with you sort of wish sometimes uh, maybe they were enemies like you sort of want your coach to be but what if I told you there was perhaps a little bit of a different spin you could perhaps put on this you know I talked to Jake Fromm the former Georgia quarterback about this a little earlier this week and of course Jake was Kirby's quarterback for three years and so Jake saw Kirby as a coach do battle with all kinds of different coaches and some of those coaches were guys that maybe you sort of perceive Kirby actually disliking truly hating maybe and in some cases these are guys that happen to be rival coaches but he also happens to have a long-standing friendship with them. what Jake Fromm told us is is that actually even when Kirby's going up against his friends perhaps especially when he's going up against his friends that's actually perhaps bringing out even more competitive and fire for Kirby that maybe he wants to win that game even more than he does one of these games in which he doesn't have quite as deep a relationship it's a little bit of an interesting spin on all of this this is what Jake Fromm said about that on our show going back what I guess it was yesterday on our program yeah I mean Kirby's definitely one of the most competitive human beings that I know uh and so he obviously yes he wants to beat you know quote-unquote maybe enemy coaches but even more so, he wants to beat his buddies because he, he wants those bragging rights whenever they get together, whenever they hang out, whenever they see each other next. Uh, I promise uh, nobody wants it more than him, especially in these type of situations. So, um, you know, I always noticed it, especially more uh, on Florida Week. Um, and then I, I think even more uh, with, with this one, too, as well, just with, with uh, their time there at Alabama. Um, 
yeah, I mean, you, you could see it probably being, you know, a little personal, but he'll, he'll never let it seep uh, into the players, um, so to speak, but uh, he, he definitely wants it for sure. I think that's a really intriguing level of insight from Jake Fromm. It's the kind of thing you'd have to know Kirby on a very deep personal level to perhaps be able to explain. Jake Fromm obviously does. So it gives him that insight to be able to share that, that just because they're friends, you know, sometimes I sort of wish Kirby wouldn't be friends with guys that I don't think that I like. Certainly not my place to tell Kirby who he can and can't be a friend with. I'm just saying, you know, you might wish it was a little bit different than that. If, if there's a coach that you sort of view as a rival, a coach you sort of view as a little bit of a villain. But what Jake Fromm says, actually, it's that guy that Kirby's friends with, whoever that might be in any given year. That's the guy that Kirby perhaps wants to beat even more. And maybe some of you who've competed alongside your friends, maybe you have, you know, some understanding into how it is the Kirby's market feel that way. Pretty interesting stuff as it relates to Jake Fromm. Now, as a part of Around the Doghouse, let me also kind of shift gears to something else here for a moment, squeeze one more story into our uh, kind of show opening here for a moment. As Lane Kiffin gets ready to come to Athens tomorrow and coach against Georgia, he's obviously not shied away from talking about what a big game this is for him, one of the biggest he's ever coached, certainly since being at Ole Miss. There also seems to be a little bit of a burgeoning controversy around Kiffin there a little bit there as well. There's a former defensive lineman at Ohio State named uh, – Ohio State o- – Ole Miss, I should say, named DeSanto Rollins, who is suing Ole Miss and suing Kiffin personally, you know, suing over what he – kind of views his mistreatment based on some like mental illness issues that he said he was suffering from mental health issues some other things there as well and front office sports which is a uh, uh, you know media entity has obtained a recording of kiffin that kiffin did not know was being recorded speaking to rollins this has gotten a lot of attention here over the course of the last day or so rollins apparently secretly recording kiffin here on the discussion of how Rollins was being treated after he said that he was dealing with some mental health issues. You're going to hear, obviously, Kiffin speaking harshly to Rollins. Uh, There's some foul language here, too, that is bleeped out. So a little bit of a warning to you on that. Uh, If you've got kids listening or something like that, we do have some bleeped out language coming here in just a moment. But this has gotten some attention. It would seem to be the wrong kind of attention for Lane Kiffin prior to game on Saturday, like the one that's about to be played here. Front office sports obtaining this recording of Kiffin essentially kicking Rollins off the team and you know telling him that even with mental health issues that Kiffin believed he was well within his rights to do so take a listen to this coming out just this week if you would have come here when you kept getting messages the head coach wants to talk to you and you saying I'm not ready to talk to him what was it well what world do you live in I don't see why you gotta be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. See ya. Because I'm. See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f-ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being the f- It's called hiding behind sh- and not showing up to work. So this is one of those things that I think is going to probably have a little bit of a generational divide to it. I've heard different reactions to the stuff from Kiffin there. When I hear this, obviously, you know, you're struck by the fact that it is harsh language and it is certainly a, a very direct message to the player. But you can also, maybe as a slightly older person, understand the frustration that Kiffin was perhaps feeling with the idea that he could not reach the player and the player would not respond to his request to come in there and speak to him. 
and that even dealing with mental health issues, there's still some expectation for just sort of, you know, sort of normal conduct you would expect to take place there on that. That's probably the way that I come down on this. I don't think this is a scandal. I don't think this is some sort of smoking gun that proves something terrible about Lane Kiffin. I think he's probably personally embarrassed that it came out before this game. There's always something that just sort of sounds different when you're hearing someone speak in a manner in which they think is private. Kiffin obviously in this particular case did. Some people are going to try to describe this as more as some sal, you know, some sort of proof that Kiffin has behaved wrongly here. I guess that's ultimately for a court to decide. Obviously, the player in this case, DeSanto Rollins, is suing Ole Miss for a lot of money and making some pretty strong accusations about Kiffin in the midst of doing all of that. So I play this mostly for you just to be aware that it's out there. It's obviously coming out right before the Georgia game, but ultimately I don't really know what that audio necessarily proves about Lane Kiffin. Um, as I said before, I think different people are going to hear different things when they hear that particular exchange, but we at least wanted to make you aware that it is out there courtesy of Front Office Sports. And that is Around the Doghouse, poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Now, final tailgate opportunity in Athens tomorrow. That means the chance to make the most of the situation, no matter what the weather ends up being like. That means in your cooler tomorrow, the Finish Long Drink is a great choice to have for all of that, including for the last game that Georgia will play, not the last game that Peach State, hopefully the uh, SEC championships, the last game that Georgia plays in the Peach State here this year, but the last game in Athens, how about that, with two more games still to come, hopefully in the Peach State before the year is done at Tech and then in Atlanta for the SEC championship. The point is, in the Peach State, how about some peach-flavored version of the finished long drink? That'd be a great thing to enjoy. Or the long drink cranberry, long drink zero, long drink strong, uh, traditional, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, all kinds of wonderful finished long drink for you to try. So do me a favor, go to the website, thelongdrink.com, put in your zip code, and you can find out where near you you can pick up some finished long drink today and make the finished long drink be a big part of your final weekend tailgating here in Athens. Or if you're watching from home, a wonderful part of that game day watch party you got going on that perhaps starts early in the morning when the ESPN show comes on the air rolling all the way through the evening it's Chris Fowler Kirk Herbstreit give you the call of the dogs trying to knock off the uh, rebels so fun fun day finish long drink big part of it and a big part of around the doghouse for you right there as well all right before we are done we have official final predictions I always like calling them official predictions as as if there's something that designates them officially as opposed to unofficially but we'll give you our official predictions for the big games including Georgia Ole Miss here before we're done today by the way pretty hot on the season honesty compels me to admit but for now on everything related to UGA recruiting including a former recruit that we once spent a long time talking about who's now become a pretty big time big shot and Saturday will be another reminder of that let's cover all of that ground with Jeff Sintel here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. You know, Jeff Sintel, you and I have been doing this for a long time. I don't try to think too much about that. I'm trying to get too sentimental on a week-to-week basis. But my gosh, we have talked about so many recruits over the course of the years who've come through Georgia, who've finished their careers, who've gone on to great things. And sometimes it seems sort of appropriate to kind of look back on, remember when we spent so much time talking about so-and-so? Well, for a good number of years, Jeff, you and I talked a lot about Nolan Smith, the idea that this was the big-time five-star edge rusher. You know, I think that he came at a good time for Georgia because it was on the other side of like the 2018 class and maybe with the 2018 class, perhaps for Georgia, kind of did not really turn out to be. You sort of needed that recruiting reboot after that. And Nolan was a really big part of, of that, I think. Um, and then Nolan Smith goes on to have a great career at Georgia, first round 
round pick and really a now famous and well-known enough figure to be the guest picker for ESPN's college game day when it comes to Athens there tomorrow. I don't know. It's fun to think about uh, the young man from Savannah who has really grown up to that point there. You ever look back on some of this stuff, Jeff, and kind of realize where a lot of these guys started when you were covering them as recruits to where they are now? Brandon, hey, man, good morning, man, all the time, all the time, man. You, you don't get me started. My family, you know, around holidays and big moments, they start calling me sentimental because um, I get sentimental, man, about stuff like this, man. The, uh, You know, Nolan was a guy that I think kind of ushered in that Georgia could get the recruiting wins over and over. Um, man, he, I, I, I think I, I remember seeing him. Uh, it was an elite classic game. He was a true freshman. Um he told me about his purpose. He told me about his past, told me about how much he loved the dogs, um, how much he wanted to play for his family, his mother, his grandmother. And then you see him just grow up, man. I remember seeing him um, at an opening camp when I was pointing out all the, uh, all the reporters, the national reporters, at an, an opening regional. It was in Orlando, and I was like, man, you need to watch out for that guy. And they're like, who's that? And everybody knew. I mean, he looked like he was walking around in Dark Knight Batman armor. He looked so cut up and chiseled how he grew when he first got there at ING Academy. And then you see him, I'll never forget him on the sidelines, man, the ultimate warrior type of player. Combination of great player, great charisma, great character, great leader. And when your alpha in the locker room is also the most passionate about Georgia winning, I mean, sometimes it's not really good for family TV, but some of the things Nolan would say on the sidelines, to get his team jacked up before every game, before they before they left the field after warm-ups. It was a Georgia tradition, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing him probably doing the same thing again, even though he's not going to wear the red and black on Saturday. Here's the other thing that this kind of brings up is – you know, Jeff, I've been a college football fan for a long time, and I remember ESPN's College Game Day before it started traveling to campus week to week. That's how long I've been kind of around. That's how long I've sort of cared about stuff like this. And, you know, we're kind of in a day and age now where maybe some people close to my age, perhaps even people younger, have kind of decided, oh, we don't like Game Day anymore. You know, David Pollock's not on there anymore. You know, uh, Pat McAfee's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, whatever. You know, like, you know, Lee Corso is probably, you know, well certainly past his prime in terms of you know what he maybe once was on, on a show like that uh kirk herbstreet spread pretty thin now doing nfl on thursday night whatever the reasons are i think there are a lot of people who sort of think we're still in the, in kind of the post game day era but when it comes to your campus it's a reminder to me that the show still matters even more perhaps than i kind of wanted to wish it did i'm not uh frankly as big a fan as i used to be either but when you have all the chatter about who the guest picker is when you have this you know three-hour commercial for the host program in this case uh uga you realize that is a lot of free earned media and there is an element in which this show really still does kind of cut through the clutter at least certainly for the the large mass of college football fans from your beat on the recruiting angle when you get the big TV real estate like this, 9 a.m. for the, for the game day, 7 p.m. with Fowler Herb Street you know, calling the game, when you talk about that kind of like television landscape for Georgia on Saturday, how valuable do you still view that to be for the program? I think it's really invaluable, Brandon, especially the way Georgia recruits across the country now. They have to go to different parts of the country to get certain players, and they can compete with anybody, Brandon. You know, you talk about – maybe sentimentality here. I just wonder 
and I, I hope I hope this is happening. I know a lot of you know longtime dogs tell me it is, and they're soaking it up. But like, I don't know if we ask you know a hundred Georgia fans walking to the stadium on Saturday, maybe around the dog walk. If we ask them, what's the current win streak at? What's the current record for regular season win streak at? What's the current record for SEC win streak? I think, Brendan, it's all flying by so fast. I don't even know if people that have, you know, their own Georgia rooms and their own man caves and they wear their favorite pair of red pants on Saturdays. I mean, I've said this on a couple programs recently, Brandon. I talked to people, some folks down at the Jacksonville Bulldog Club told me they have game day wear that they haven't seen Georgia lose a game in yet. Yeah, And that's I mean, and this is like really nice high-end stuff, the type, the type that Brandon, Adam, Brandon Adams will wear on a game day. <laughs> And, I mean, you just sit there and you go, man, 20-year-old Jeff, 30-year-old Jeff, 15-year-old Jeff would have just been breathing fire about her. But, like, goodness gracious, how in the world is that happening? That would be, like, his history. Like, you know, that you look at a Gladiator movie and they make up Rome to be so important. And what we've heard and read and seen people tell us about the 1980s, man, I don't know if everybody in Sanford – on Saturday, walking around, is fully aware of all the awesomeness that Georgia continues to check off. Like, And that game day is going to promote the best of Georgia football. It's really not just the three-hour commercial, because then they'll come in at night, Brandon. And I expect, with all the poking of the dogs this week, whether it's kindly or, you know, testing their manhood a little bit for fanhood, I think this crowd's going to be crazy, man. I think it's going to be crazy bonkers because everybody yeah. knows it's senior day. It's top ten. It's at night. It's under the lights. You're going to say likely say to get goodbye to so many great dogs. It's the Brock Bowers storyline. I mean, we're, sometimes we can get in the hype business, man, but if you want to put together a post or an article that says you put all these things together, the win streaks, maybe Brock Bowers' return, maybe his last game, saying thank you so much for everything to great dogs like Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Cedric Bonpron, Granger, maybe a Tate Ratledge, maybe even Brock Bowers, Kendall Milton. I mean, man, the list goes on and on and on. And a lot of these guys are going to look back at their Georgia careers and say, maybe we lost twice. Maybe we lost three times. And, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. I just, I just hope everybody um, takes a moment that's kind of what I do, man, before every game. I think of the 2020 season when we didn't get to see that. We didn't get to be in Sanford and watch this football program get better and better and play. And, I mean, I mean, that's a real soapbox moment for me, just soaking up how amazing all this is right now. No, I think that's exactly right. How about Saturday from a recruiting standpoint of who are we expecting in the building and kind of what specific recruits could be swayed by what happens on the field with the Rebels on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's different, Brandon. I think we have an NIL name, image, and likeness um, development here. been a while since we've seen Georgia welcome in official visitors from the junior college ranks, but that's, they're welcoming in, too, on Saturday, man. And uh, defensive lineman, uh, beats easy, Brian Taylor, he's out of Texas, and then uh, Jaden Hamlin out of Valley, Alabama. Hamlin's actually on a plane right now to Athens. He'll probably be there by noon. Uh, for his official visit. He's starting that one off early. And, you know, Hamlin's a guy who, who told me, Brandon, that the kids outside our region or the Georgia footprint or the ATL area, they really get it. Like, Hamlin told me, I just feel honored 
to be able to come and visit the nation's number one program and the defending national champions. He's the number one defensive tackle in the country, Brandon, for junior college DTs. LSU, Mississippi State, he grew up an Auburn fan. Those are the schools kind of circling around him. And he just told me it was an extreme honor that Georgia is taking the time to recruit him and thinks he's good enough to play there. It's almost like the young man has a level of reverence about coming to see Georgia play on an official visit. And he doesn't take that lightly. You don't see junior colleges. And the reason why that, Brandon, I know your, your mind is you're nodding along, maybe even doodling on your notepad right there thinking you're thinking NIL because Georgia yeah. and NIL with these defensive tackles probably not always going to go their way. It hasn't gone their way with a lot of their priority alpha high school targets um, along the defensive line. So Georgia's looking at two guys, one about 6'5 and about 270. That's Taylor. And then you've got six four and a half, three oh five, a three tech, which is Mr. Hamlin. Um, you've got Nazir Johnson, another high school option on an official visit. He's committed to Florida, that he's looking really hard at Florida State. He's looking really hard at uh, staying with Florida. He's looking hard at the dogs. He's from Dublin, man. That's Georgia Bulldog territory. He grew up a dog, but Florida showed more love. Florida maybe incentivized his recruitment a little bit more, and you get the feeling that the school that, you know, basically there's code words now, Brandon, in language where a kid says, I want to see, I want that school to show me how much they want me. And I think most people can, even the cynics out in the world, can kind of read into that. Yeah. And you see all these other – the other big storyline for me is I think another thing you take for granted not a lot of people pay attention to, but the number one player in the country for 2024, that's Dylan Riola. He's always there. He's going to be there. The number one player in 2025, Elijah Griffin from Savannah. He's back again to see Georgia again. And then the number one player for 2026, that's Julian Juju Lewis, although he's committed to USC. Going to go see the dogs again. I, I chalk that one up as, you know, maybe keeping things burning there in case Lincoln Riley moves on to the NFL. And I, I chalk that up to maybe just, you know, maybe Georgia is a contender for him if things went south with a couple other options he had. Or maybe he just wants to see a really stinking great football game on display on Saturday. So I, I think another big storyline there is just trying, Georgia is really going to try to sow the seeds with the 2025 class. Guys like Griffin, the five-star defensive tackle I just mentioned. Yeah. Juan Gaston, yes. the six-foot-eight man, man giant from Westlake, is going to see Georgia for the second straight week in a three-week stretch of seeing the dogs. And, man, Brian, every time I see Juan, he looks like – I see him around his teammates, and his teammates look like Russian nesting dolls, you know, those ones you keep opening up. Sure. Another player comes out or whatever. Like, I, I see him at Westlake High, and these are six-foot-two, 185-pound, 200-pound guys next to him good-sized football players, and he just dwarfs them. And then a, there's a guy I wrote about last night, yesterday on the site, man, Travis Smith Jr., Brandon. I really jumped into that trying to figure out wide receiver recruiting. I didn't know that the state of Georgia might have defensive linemen and quarterbacks and tight ends and running backs that grow on trees, but the elite wide receivers do not grow on trees in the state of Georgia. I went and you know calculated the cold, hard data. It is very rare for the state of Georgia – to produce a top 10 or a top 15 level receiver. And maybe that's maybe an offshoot of why you and I are always talking about how in the world the dogs keep losing receivers or can't get enough great receivers in each recruiting class. And it's not just the blocking. It's not just that Georgia didn't throw it like it does now with Carson Beck and then last year with Stetson Bennett. A little bit of that is the state of Georgia forces them to kind of import 
that wide receiver talent from other states because the elite guys in the country are not coming from the Peach State. And that's why Travis Smith is so important. He's a, I think he's the best receiver in the state this year outside of Mike Matthews of Parkview. And I think he's only going to get better, and he has all the size speed and tools you want to see in an elite SEC receiver. Cameron McHale from uh, Statesboro has announced a uh, commitment date for himself coming up here near the end of this month. And Jeff, I have to admit, I have a hard time sort of figuring out exactly what's going on here when it comes to McHale. It seems pretty obvious that most of the schools around the country that are recruiting McHale seem to be giving him the option of playing wide receiver, which he wants to do. Seems like Georgia is still sort of pushing him as a defensive back. You know, how much should a Georgia fan be paying close attention to what's going on with McHale right now? And is it still defensive side of the ball they should be looking at when it comes to McHale? Nope. Uh, Brandon, I think the only way Georgia would win the recruitment for Cam McHale is with a heavy emphasis at playing the offensive side and being a receiver. That's what Cam wants, um, even though maybe his best uh, NFL future maybe might be with defensive back. And, you know, he's a great player, man. And it's one of those recruitments that I'm just kind of scratching my head about because even in this day of name, image, and likeness, he's going to go see Colorado again for the second time this weekend. You know, the thought of him pairing up with Shadur Sanders. Shadur Sanders is likely to come back next year for Colorado. So that's going to be some high-profile games and throwing the ball around, spreading the ball around to his receivers. Um, I mean, he's going to visit Tennessee again as well before he makes his decision. Um, so he's going to see two schools, which were among his very top contenders after Georgia. That never sounds good, Brandon. That never seems good. And the whole fact that I think if Georgia would have prioritized him as a receiver from the jump, he might have even been on the commitment board right now. And, you know, the reasons why Georgia does that is because Georgia has an idea. Their evaluation is top tier. They saw Mikel as a DB. They saw other wide receivers that they wanted in the, in the class. And they had a really great one in nine car, a really great state of Georgia a rare top 15 receiver in nine car, but you know, Miami came and, you know, sometimes I laugh, I laugh when you use the term money whipped, but sometimes it's appropriate. Um, and I think, I think Mikel, you know, it's one of those recruitments that I wouldn't place a lot of confidence in right now, simply for all those reasons. Like, and now when Georgia kind of, you know, reverses its field and says, Hey, come play wide receiver. We think you'd be great for us here. That doesn't work well at all, man. So like, I think Georgia is kind of, pulling against a couple of things that are kind of have been going against it for a while in terms of the momentum of uh Kel's recruitment let me finish with this if you don't mind tonight also begins the state playoffs across the state of georgia good number of uga commits will be in action i'm lucky on the Peachtree sports network to have scovey white again against a uh, kel team who i think is as much fun to watch as anybody in the state and by the way speaking of georgia commits although different sport bryce clavon the uh, kel quarterback who's also at least for now a georgia baseball commit with a, obviously a very bright baseball future ahead of him but then beyond that i know we have you know dylan riola getting ready to get going here there as well and i guess jeff let me finish by asking you about riola in particular here you know what kind of spotlight do you think he's going to have here in the 7a playoffs because i um I mean, obviously, I would assume that Buford is viewed to be the favorite. I'm guessing the Maxwell ratings probably even have them mathematically as the most likely to win it. But in my mind, Jeff, I actually don't view Buford as an overwhelming favorite in the 7A playoffs. I take Calcutt County very seriously. Uh, I take Walton very seriously. Walton obviously beat Buford a year ago. Uh, there are a number of teams who I think could give uh, the defending champs Mill Creek. Let me make sure I also mention them there as well. Um, there are any who, by the way, beat Buford in the regular season. Um, there are any number of teams who I think that could certainly give Buford a very big you know game in the playoffs here coming up I, I guess I'm curious 
how much do you think that um that this Buford team is going to be watched Riola watched in particular here how much pressure do you think he perhaps feels in these 7a playoffs and you know how big of a favorite do you view Riola's Buford team as being here right now I don't I wouldn't know if I'm I would put them as the favorite I would say they've got the best defense you know you you really it's really funny with Buford you you want to see them protect Riola better I don't think that's going to happen. I think what you've seen out of Buford's offense this year, it is what it is. Um, you know, they've got a pretty easy stretch. I don't know, Brandon, you like to spy those brackets while you're sipping your cup of coffee and you're sure. making egg and cheese every morning. But, like, you know, Buford's likely going to face a Norcross team in round two. Um, they, they get Wheeler tonight. Then they'll go uh, likely going to meet kind of Grayson in that, in that third round there. Um, Grayson would be, you know, the, the region champion and most likely might even be the home team in that thing, depending on where everybody goes. And then, you know, the semifinals, they're likely going to probably catch a Colquitt, um, perhaps the other side of the bracket there. You know, you've got like, I think I saw like, you know, Collins Hill, you saw Milton, you saw Westlake, you saw Colquitt County. It's funny, the Mill Creek, um, side of the bracket, you know, that's got Walton in it. It's got, um, it's got a lot of teams. It's got Carrollton in it. That that other side of the bracket is probably the harder one because to answer your question, I think Walton can win it. I think uh, Mill Creek can win it. I think Colquitt. I think Colquitt County can win it. Yeah. Um, so there's maybe like four or five teams I actually think in seven A that can win it. I've watched Walton as much as anybody. That's kind of my dark horse pick because I really love the way they play football. They've got a hot quarterback. They've got uh, a team that just is ready for these big games. They're always so really prepared to play. Um, really funny story, Brandon. Not funny, but you know how we, we started talking about Nolan and how we could just tell he was different from the start? You get a little bit of that with Riola already. Like, I, I see him, and I write about this often, Brandon, because it doesn't happen. I think I've written about it twice. It's just kind of natural how Riola is more of a, I guess, a servant or a, you know, like that, like that Captain America leader type that always tries to take care of his guys and looks to his teammates first. And he does something very simple to most, but he'll come down from the recruiting lounge with like six bottles of water in his hand. And he knows he's sitting around his future alignment and his future defensive guys or whatever. And he will bring those bottles and like, hey, man, I'm playing water boy. I'm carrying your water. You know, we, we hear sometimes sports writers carry water for – certain programs and certain coaches, well, <laughs> Riola's carrying the water for his future teammates, man. And that to me means something because I've never seen a five-star do that, much less a five-star quarterback, much less the number one guy in the nation. And Riola has a dad that played 14 years in the NFL. There's a lot of ways for that young man to feel entitled or to feel like, you know, he is holier than thou or he is quarterback golden arms, you know, kiss the ring maybe. You get the total opposite that of that with Riola, man. Great, great example tonight. I think there's going to be three or four Georgia commitments whose seasons are over that play out of state that are going to come to watch Riola play tonight in a first-round playoff game. Wow. Why do they want to do it? It's not going to be a great game. I think this might be another week where you see Buford winning by 30, 40 points. They want to do it because they have a connection and a relationship with Riola, and they want to support their future future quarterback, future one of the two quarterbacks in the class. They want to support somebody that has always made them feel like they are a big part of this class as well, Brandon. And we can go on and on about how far he can throw the ball and his rushing touchdowns recently that have shown a little bit of giddy-up in his step. But that's the stuff that really wins over locker rooms. And, you know, I say it all the time. 
I try to write about people on the way to play for the University of Georgia and not just great recruits. And Dylan Raiola is a great example of that, right? And you've got a tremendous example tonight with your game uh, between Kel no and doubt, yeah. Cap High School. Yeah, no doubt. Man, I, I don't I don't know. And eventually I'm going to write the whole thing. And you guys, I'm going to try to break it up into a mini series because the story is just so amazing. But Sakovi White will be one of the most special people slash players to come through the University of Georgia. I was talking to a guy that would really, really know receivers in the state of Georgia, and he looked at Sakovi White, and he kind of thinks of an upgraded Kiaris Jackson, what he can be immediately at Georgia. I mean, everybody looked at him as the quick guy, the lad McConkey guy, but Brandon, he's going to enter that, enter that Georgia wide receiver room being the strongest receiver in the room and probably one of the strongest players pound for pound on their team. And everybody thinks that Sakobi was quick and jitterbug and playmaker, make you miss, and Sakobi is so much more than that. Jeff, really, really good stuff. Thank you for being here as part of uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Crow. We're here today. We'll look forward to seeing you in Athens tomorrow. And, of course, part of our Dog Nation postgame show there as well. Always a fun thing on that. Jeff, good stuff. Thanks for your time. Hey, man. See you, buddy. See you tomorrow. Have a great call tonight. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, Peachtree Sports Network for us tonight. Cass and Cal, we think it's one of the best games in the state here this weekend. At least certainly the best in the Atlanta area. I think uh, part of you going down to Valdosta is a really fun game there as well. Uh, you got some really good stuff. But here in the Atlanta area, we love, 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 love our game tonight on Peachtree Sports Network. Kel, uh, who has been red hot, uh, winners of, what, nine straight uh, you're talking about the uh, you know the Cass Colonels and Scovey White. Really, really fun battle. Two high-powered offenses. Kell, highest-scoring team in the 5A classification. So that's going to be a great time. I mentioned to Jeff as well. Uh, he's a regular participant in our Dog Nation postgame show. And thanks to all of you who've been participants here this year there as well. First of all, thanks for tuning in and watching the show after the Georgia games. I appreciate that. But for those of you who leave the stadium, who come by to see us and hop on the air and, and share your thoughts about the uh, georgia win what we hope is a georgia win we appreciate that for those of you who clicked the zoom link we've had a great collection of calls here the last few weeks people really sharing some strong opinions on georgia which makes the show so much better i appreciate that for the final time in athens on saturday your chance to do that once again i just really really appreciate you being a part of all of that let me also say one thing about dylan riola here quickly before we move on if you get a chance on Saturday, if you have binoculars or something like that, you kind of train your binoculars down there on Riola, kind of sitting in the front, typically of that recruit section there. One of my favorite things about Riola is is the way future Georgia player, of course, but man, while he's in the stands watching the current team play, he really kind of comes across as a UGA fan, which I really like. It's a fun thing to see. I'll give you a quick example of this. There was one moment a few weeks ago where, like, he's sitting right there, you know, obviously quarterback commit, kind of gets the front row seat, sort of something you might expect to see. And when it was time for the team to run out of the tunnel, you know, they're coming out of the locker room, through the tunnel, onto the field. Riola hops up and stands right there on the edge to see the team come by. Now, this is funny because this is a team that not only will Riola play for next year, he could be the starting quarterback for, at least, you know, conceivably anyway. And yet to see the team come out of the tunnel, he's hopping up right there to see that. It's just kind of a fun thing. You know, being a high school senior is sort of an interesting world where you're sort of 
finishing you know your childhood so to speak and moving on to your kind of next phase near adulthood here as a college athlete just kind of fun to see sometimes the recruits sort of kind of stuck in both worlds a little bit Riola seems to really much enjoy cheering on Georgia as a future player as a recruit and if you get a chance to see that with your own eyes on Saturday it's probably worth paying attention to let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean you know I told you yesterday about the big dog nation cruise I've been telling you about this for a while on the Oasis class ship coming up in April but did you know Port Canaveral the, the port that we sail out of the uh, one that's the most convenient for us here in the Atlanta area is not only welcoming Oasis class ships on those three and four night sailings here this year but also in July of 2024 how about the debut of a brand new oasis class ship courtesy of royal caribbean it's called utopia of the seas and you want to talk about taking it to the next level so for so many people my family included sometimes the most convenient cruise vacation you can take is that three or the four night sailing now if, if i can get away for a full week seven days seven nights obviously i want to do that but sometimes your schedule just prevents that from being the case it's just a little bit more convenient take the three or the four night sailing well royal caribbean understands that and so therefore they say okay we're going to try to dominate that space more than anybody else more than any other player in the industry we're going to try to make the best experience possible for families on those three and four night sailings especially going out of port canaveral because that's a place where a lot of families do like to sail out of and so now they're introducing the newest ship in the royal caribbean fleet when it debuts in july utopia of the seas specifically for those three and four night sailings i think it's an exciting thing so jessica slater's a great travel agent she can tell you more about that you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can also email her jslater at dreamvacations.com all right let's give you official predictions here now i try to be uh modest when you uh lose say nothing when you win say even less but honesty does compel me to admit my picks against the spread this year have been pretty good so feeling like i'm on a little bit of a uh, hot streak here you can check out go with the flow presented by rs andrews later on this evening on the dog nation video channels to get the full accounting of how well i've done here this year but we've been doing pretty well here thus far so perhaps you listen a little bit more closely to some of our picks here right now let me start with georgia against Ole miss we've seen georgia this week mostly about a 10 and a half point favorite against the rebels georgia is my pick here i'm gonna go with the final score somewhere in the neighborhood of sort of like that 30 to 13 uh i think that georgia's proven to be the kind of offense that can find 30 or more against sec opponents i think that's a really important designation georgia's found that we've been kind of calling for georgia to give up no more than 13 points per game in this stretch that it's in right now admittedly they haven't quite gotten there they've given up 20 the last two weeks against both florida and missouri the florida was sort of a garbage time extra score the missouri was legitimate but either way georgia's right now not quite at that 13 point per game mark but we're going once again kind of call for that on saturday ultimately this is what this kind of comes down to for me on both sides here for a moment obviously much has been said just sort of basing counting stats just sort of basic easy to understand metrics Ole Miss is struggling on the road that's a thing to kind of keep up with here Rebels are very well aware of that but also as we mentioned yesterday you know Lane Kiffin compares this Georgia game to previous games that he's coached as Ole Miss uh, coach against Alabama and in those games for the most part Ole Miss just hasn't quite been equal to the task they did have the one really close game in 2020 where there was a lot of points scored on both sides but that was also pandemic perhaps you just sort of chalk that up to a weird game in what was otherwise a weird year other than that you know Ole Miss 0-4 straight up against Alabama they have covered the spread twice but three of those four games have all been like the double digit two touchdown at least type losses for the Rebels against Alabama for the most part they haven't really been competitive therefore 
you kind of assume the same thing could be in store against Georgia on Saturday. Now, from a point spread standpoint, this is a Georgia team that has certainly not quite been as dominant this year as it's perhaps been in the past, but track record probably also matters here too. Earlier this year, there was the back-to-back stretch against South Carolina and Auburn where Georgia failed to cover. That's the only stretch since November of 2020 where Georgia's failed to cover in back-to-back SEC games. Georgia last week missed the point spread mark against Missouri, so looking at 10.5 here right now, I think it stands to reason I would say that this is a Georgia team that's going to probably be a little bit more in keeping what we've seen in the past, finding a way to get to the pay window in SEC play, not failing to cover in back-to-back weeks. That's still pretty much a rarity for Georgia. They did do it earlier this year. So from that standpoint, I like Georgia minus the 10.5. I'm not going to stand on the table and scream and yell about this. I don't love the pick necessarily. I believe this game could be closer than that. But I think uh, on the 10.5 side, I believe Georgia is the right side there on that. Uh, another game of note in the SEC, it's 3.30 on CBS, and there are SEC East stakes at play here there as well. Of course, you know uh, that Georgia can take care of its own business and clinch the division, but perhaps it could already win the division before the game's even played on Saturday night, depending on what Tennessee does against Missouri. Perhaps some surprise that Missouri's the plus money side here in this spot, a one-point underdog here, despite the fact that uh, Missouri really played very well against Georgia last week, got some respect this week from the College Ball Playoff Selection Committee, has lost only twice here thus far this season. The explanation here is that Tennessee's a little bit of a darling of the analytics community. Sometimes you see this reflected in Vols point spreads. Uh, they're 14th in FPI here this week, as a, for instance, there on that, that while to the naked eye, sometimes we see blemishes when we look at Tennessee, mathematically speaking, the uh, calculator folks have kind of all always found more to like with the Vols than perhaps you might think they're on that. However, I do believe Missouri's the right side here in this game on Saturday, and I say that knowing full well that Luther Burden may not even play for the Tigers. The truth is, going back a couple of weeks ago, Missouri found a way to not just beat Kentucky, but actually beat Kentucky pretty handily on the road, despite the fact that that day Luther Burden only had two catches. So it's not like Missouri hasn't played well before without a big contribution from Burden. They've done that in a win already this year. But in addition to that, they're in Faro Field in uh, Como. They've also been pretty good when getting points. Now, they failed to cover as an underdog against LSU earlier this season, but that snapped a streak in which prior to that, they'd covered five stray games when a home underdog. And the truth is, they would have covered against uh, LSU there as well, if not for a pick six late in that game. So perhaps Missouri was the right side for most of that day, but even that notwithstanding five consecutive covers as a home dog prior to that on the flip side Tennessee just two and four in its last six as a uh, road team in the SEC so they haven't always covered this mark when going on the road under Josh Heupel and just flat out I believe that Missouri is probably the better team here so getting a point at home I like Missouri to win the game there outright Uh, a game that I think perhaps has a little bit of a point spread that might surprise you a little bit Kentucky right now just a 10 and a half point home underdog with Alabama on Saturday some of this is probably recency bias people see Alabama win the high profile game last week against LSU everybody gets really excited until you realize oh yeah that's LSU's third loss here this season. Alabama and beating LSU doesn't even move up this week in the college football playoff top 25. To give you an idea of some of the chatter around Bama after this LSU game has perhaps been overstated. Now, uh, Bama has covered two stray games in the uh, SEC here, but uh, prior to that had failed to cover in six of its last seven games uh, in the league You know, before that. This is a team that's had a little bit of a t- tough time in uh, cover situations when you're going on the road, I should say. So it had two straight road covers uh, coming into saturday but failing to cover in six of its last seven road games prior to that 
Wildcats on the other side, typically pretty good at home. They've covered four straight games at home when an underdog of 10 or more points. Georgia can certainly speak to that there a little bit. Uh, This is a game perhaps a slightly contrarian take, but I actually like Kentucky to maybe give Alabama a little bit of a heat check and keep it within the 10.5 there on Saturday. We'll step outside of SEC play here really quick. The biggest game nationally is Michigan going to Penn State. It's a four and a half point number. Michigan, to its credit, has been truly dominant here this year. You can say what you want about Connor Stallions. We can laugh all we want as Georgia fans about the love and the hype that Michigan's got. We call the mighty Michigan around here. But the truth is, they've had a dominant season. Do you realize that no one yet this year's had a first and goal against Michigan? That's how dominant they've been. No one's gotten inside the ten yard line uh, on them defensively all year long. They've given up points. They just haven't, uh, you know, given up a first and goal yet here this year. That gives you an idea of how dominant Michigan's been. On the flip side of that, Penn State still very much alive in the race for the Big Ten East. They didn't lose to Ohio State, but they get a chance to host Michigan here on Saturday. The problem for the Nittany Lions is, despite the fact they're top 10 nationally in points scored per game, they're 127th in plays of 20 or more yards they found a way to score points they're just not very explosive and I think the lack of explosiveness on the part of Penn State is probably enough to kind of eliminate any chance they have of keeping this closer than that four and a half point number the truth is this is kind of a been about where Penn State has been for most of the James Franklin era they're they're, as a good team they're better than the bad teams but they really aren't very competitive with the so-called great teams the teams at a level above where they are they can't seem to break through that glass ceiling I think Saturday is another example of that being the case I also believe that Michigan's probably a little bit motivated here there's all kinds of talk about punishment from the Big Ten uh, regarding the sign ceiling allegations Connor Stallions is gone now Uh, presumably Penn State smart enough to have changed its signals for this game I think that Michigan probably wants to show it can win a game without the perceived extra advantage here so I like the Wolverines minus the four and a half points I'll give you two more really quickly from outside the SEC I like Washington minus nine and a half against Utah I think Utah probably slightly inflated here on the uh, virtue of a 55-3 win last week against Arizona State but if you go back and look at that game Sunday was pretty banged up there in that spot I think the true Utah is probably the one that could not stay with Oregon at home uh, the week prior to that that kind of gives you a I think a better picture of what Utah is right now and going to Seattle no easy place to play perhaps the Huskies figuring some things out last week going on the road and giving up yards and points but still finding a way to get a double digit win against USC I like the Huskies here minus nine and a half to sort of stay in that national championship hunt and I'll also give you Florida State minus 14 and a half against Miami I don't love this game at this number but Florida State this season has covered three of its four games when favored by 14 or more here this season so perhaps they're showing you they're okay here in this spot but even with Tyler Van Dyke the Miami quarterback perhaps injured and perhaps not able to play still seems a little scary here at such a large number uh just given the nature of rivalry games things like that but uh i believe that florida state ranked number four this week by the college ball playoff selection committee probably worthy your trust there on that spot and we will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and as we wrap up here today we will give you a good collection of golden shoes some of these we had planned for yesterday before the little glitch happened and then uh, a great way to kind of roll into a uh, fun football weekend if of course you're making your own picks on games this weekend best of luck to all of you there on that let's roll through some golden shoes how about our buddy waylon wilson here giving you dejon edwards waylon's a terrific artist he always gives you these really cool graphics here the playmaker the road to go for three and 23 he sees dejon edwards as the guy heading into old miss i like that waylon you're a talented dude we'll give you a golden shoe for that very much so 
We talked earlier about the idea of Brocktober, not exactly going the way we hoped it would, but we were going to try not to get too hyped up about Bowers' eventual return. However, that doesn't stop our buddy Ed Hare from saying, can we maybe have a Brock's giving? Brocktober was a little bit of a flop. How about Brock's giving? I like that with the possibility that Bowers could return on Saturday. Good stuff, Ed, to you. We'll give you a golden shoe for that. Well, I'll talk about where the crowd was perhaps not last week, but our buddy uh, Jack Leg writes in to say, uh, I'm going to have to push back some on that criticism. He says, I lost my voice Saturday. Crowd was loud enough to cause almost two fumbled snaps uh, and then amazing memories of an SEC battle. He shares some good photos of his family there, which you'd love to see. He also gives you the uh, go for three and 23 and the beatdown of Kiffin and the Rebs. Uh, Jack, we appreciate that. Really great photos. We'll give you a well-earned golden shoe for that. And we appreciate you bringing that energy last week, this week, every week in between. Jimmy Durham on the subject of rumors has a joke for us that my best friend, sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid who's going with the girl who blah, 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 31 flavors last week, uh, that the dogs may be wearing black jerseys there on Saturday night. So uh, all kinds of rumors flying here this week. Don't know that we'll see the black jersey, but it would look good under that Saturday night uh, sky. That'd be a really cool thing to see. And Jimmy, that's a very funny from you. We will give you a golden shoe for that. And finally, Clint Haynes writes in hashtag go for three and 23 with Kirby Smart wearing the Darth Vader costume saying, Bama, I am your daddy. The back-to-back national championship trophies in the background there to kind of go along with the go for three and 23 trophy that was with us here a little earlier for today. Uh, You uh, love all of that. Great, well-earned golden shoe coming your way there too, Clint. Really, really good stuff. And, of course, lousy, stinking Gators. We'll finish off the week by reminding them it's been now 1,098 days since Florida has beaten Georgia. That number keeps going up. We'll see you in Athens on Saturday. Be loud. Kirby Smart told you to. Give him what he wants. We'll be back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you then, everybody.